HealthWise. This is episode 32 of the HealthWise Report. I'm Sarah Kane. And I'm Thomas Goyer. Welcome to the show. You forgot to mention this is the audio edition of the HealthWise Report, Sarah. I think maybe they'll get that. Okay. Well, Sarah, let's begin with you taking Shaken Baby. You ready for that? Sure. Those who are old enough to remember back into the 1980s will probably remember the hysteria that surrounded Shaken Baby Syndrome. It was something that just kind of appeared out of nowhere. Suddenly, this was happening in thousands of households throughout the United States. Parents were just shaking their babies, their infants, to death or almost to death. Or, or so they said. That's so what, they said. That's mm-hmm. what the media and the hospitals reported. Yeah. Now, there are a few things that don't make any sense. And those who were kind of caught up in the hysteria and saw this all around them on the news, well... It's hard to take a step back and say, this just doesn't make any sense. This yeah, all the people watching the TV drooling, hypnotized by the programming, who never stopped to really think about how ridiculous it all was, and yeah. still is to some degree. Yeah, you've got all these different people going to prison, you've got all these infants who are dying. Mm-hmm. And for, you know, untold thousands and thousands of years, the human race has had children and nurtured them and raised them. And there was never an issue with shaking children to death. No. But suddenly in the 80s... This was a new phenomenon. It was like an epidemic, wasn't it? Just yeah. Everywhere, thousands and thousands of families were shaking their children to death, or so we were told. Yeah. Now, one of the things that doesn't make sense about this so-called shaken baby syndrome, and there ought to be another name for it, but is that there are no other indications of abuse. There is no bruising on these children... There's no history of broken bones. Yeah, there's no, yeah, as you were saying, there's no history there. Like, abuse doesn't happen that way. It's not like you just find somebody dead. It's something that progresses over years. You, and there's symptoms that people see. Yeah. But, you know, the babies are just dead one day. Suddenly, the, the, the person just becomes homicidal towards their infant child. I mean, come on, this doesn't and, really happen. And chooses to shake the child to death. Uh, as opposed to all the dozens, if not hundreds, of ways that you can kill a person, if that's really what they were trying to do. Yeah. Another thing that doesn't make sense is that, in actuality, when a child is shaken, if someone were to be shaken this hard to cause this brain damage, the neck would have serious injuries. In fact, the injuries to the neck would be what would actually kill a child if, yeah. if, if, a, if a child was shaken so forcefully that it were to be lethal. Mm-hmm. The injuries to the neck would be far more pronounced. Yeah. It would get them first. The yes. neck injury would kill the child first. And just jumping in here, when you shake a child's head really violently, you can't really shake the child's body at exactly the same rate. There'll be movement in the neck. The body may follow but in the jerking motion, but... The whole point is it'll be following. It won't be synchronized with the shaking, the frequency. Yeah. And so there's no way to shake a child that violently without, like, destroying their neck. Even if you don't shake the head, if you shake the body instead, you still end up with the head flopping back and forth with a whiplash type of effect. You know, and it's that way with children. Take, for instance, a newborn. A newborn can't even raise his head up. 
it just flops back and forth. It needs to be supported. Yeah. In fact, you have to support the child's head to keep him from hurting his neck. As you get older, the neck gets a little stronger. Eventually, pretty strong by the time you're an adult. But it's a physical impossibility to shake either the child's head or to shake the child's body and cause this type of brain injury without very, very severe neck trauma. Most likely, it would be fatal. Yeah. Now I've got a quote here that I'm going to read. It's from a Chris Van E. with PhD. He's an injury biomechanics researcher, so he's been researching this for years. He studies whiplash in the cases of car accidents, this sort of thing. Uh, Here's the quote. Human shaking may cause lethal brainstem and cervical spine injuries in a zero to two-year-old child, as the forces necessary for these injuries are well below the level needed for fatal brain injuries and are consistent with the forces that can be produced in shaking. In other words, the neck will actually snap and have serious injuries well before it's possible to Mm. have this brain injury. It's just not possible. So the overall point in summary here is that shaken baby syndrome, as we know it, as we've been told, doesn't exist. So we did a little bit of follow-up to figure out what the real story is. In order to better research this, I had to use a term known in medical literature as encephalitis, which really just means brain swelling. Mm-hmm. But and that's supposedly what comes from the shaken baby thing. Yeah, the, the, the brain swells. That's what kills them, right? Yeah, it's the main indication they see on x-rays and CAT scans and whatnot. Well, when you really look at encephalitis in children, the main cause that you see over and over again, and you can look at this, is vaccines. And you'll see it actually in rats, in guinea pigs, when they give these animals vaccines. Mm-hmm. And, of course, children, too. Of course, children. Is encephalitis, is the brain swelling, and even brain bleeding or hemorrhaging in the brain. Mm-hmm. Too much pressure. This is known to occur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a known side effect. It is a known it side effect. It is a known effect. side effect. They don't mention that to the parents. In fact, I found a CDC vaccine information sheet for the so-called DTaP vaccine. Now, in this information sheet... It says the vaccine can cause seizures, one of the main symptoms of shaken baby syndrome. Yeah. Another one is brain damage. It actually spells that out. In the vaccine information? Yes, by the CDC. Another one is a fever over 105 degrees. Well, there you go. You you got an infant with 105. You might as well have an adult with 115 at that point. I mean, an infant, they can't handle it like an adult can. And yet you take a child with the very same symptoms. For instance, let's say the child has a fever of 105 degrees or has a seizure or has brain damage. Well, obviously somebody shook that baby, right, Sarah? And that is exactly what they see. And no one ever asks, how long has it been since this child had a vaccine? Mm -hmm. Well, in your research, didn't you find that in most cases, the shaken baby cases that you actually were able to look up, you found that they were vaccinated like that day or the day before? In most cases, but it pretty much always happened within 14 days. In most cases of shaken baby syndrome, there's a history of medical, medical interference, because that's what it is. It's a help, Sarah. The, the children are being helped by the doctors. Yeah, and these are pretty much always weak children. Maybe the mother was on antidepressants. During labor and during the pregnancy, there's a history of a problem with the child. And so the child is weak, for more, instance. They have more medicines, so more side effects and problems, so even more medicines and so forth. Yeah, and you look at these cases and there's one problem after another with the lungs and the brain. And then... Mm-hmm. Which doesn't come from shaking, of course. No. And then they have this vaccine and all of this, well, all these interventions. Well, it just shows it. you how dirty and corrupt the system is. Like, let's look at it from... The doctor's standpoint or the hospital standpoint. You've just vaccinated a child. The parents bring the child back to the emergency room. What do they call it in England? The A&E, accident and emergency. Yeah, or the emergency room as they call it here. Say two days later after the vaccine. The parents want to know what the heck is going on because their child is in seizures. And his life signs, you know, his vitals are going down. The hospital is panicking. You're the family doctor or the representative of the hospital that vaccinated him. Well, do you tell the parents, well, this might have something to do with the vaccine I gave him. Um, You know, it causes brain swelling, seizures, other problems, and he may die. And and I'm here as the doctor 
to take personal responsibility for killing your child. <laughs> is is that what they hear? No. No, no. What's really sick and disgusting about the whole thing is that in every case, they say, it's your fault. You must have killed this child. So how warped do you have to be? How warped do you have to be to take a set of grieving parents and then, after you've killed their child, and pin it on them? And, you know... Disclaiming all responsibility. And the doctors know. Mm -hmm. They know what the vaccines do. They know they cause these very same symptoms. It has yet to be proven anywhere that shaking a baby causes any of this, that they wouldn't get their neck broken first, and etc. Yeah. In and, fact, they've been changing the name around for yeah. years now. Well, it's, it's like this, Sarah. How hard do you have to shake a baby to make it have a 105-degree fever? I mean, seriously. Mm-hmm. How fast do you have to be shaking that child? It really makes no sense. And another really twisted aspect of these court cases, you know, where the parents are blamed, is that regardless of the emotional state of the parents, their emotions are used against them. Against them. For mm-hmm. instance, let's say the parents are distraught, like you may expect. Yeah, you, you expect those parents to be torn up, wouldn't you? Well, if they're torn up, they're guilty. They're acting guilty. Look. Look uh, at them. They're hysterical. Of course, that you know they've been caught. They're hysterical. So that's the proof. What, do you, what else do you need, right? Exactly. Now, the other one is if they're in the extreme opposite. They're in shock. They're showing very little emotionalism at all. Well, obviously, they're sociopathic criminal types, right? I mean, and doesn't that prove it? Exactly. So no matter how they react, they just can't the, the prosecutions always go after them. Who can really blame them? I mean, the prosecutors don't know any better. They don't know what's really going on. Nobody knows what's going on except for the doctors who are covering their assets. Yeah. They're the only ones who know what's going on. Exactly. I mean, of course, you'd, you'd want to destroy these people. Yeah, and they're told by the doctors, and even some experts come in to say, no, it's nothing but the parents shaking this child. Mm-hmm. And they actually have these expert witnesses that come in to one case after another to testify That's their this. job. They're paid to go from case to case and say the doctors are right. Yeah. There needs to be, like, a, a special place in hell for them. Yeah. One other thing, tragic thing that happens is that when the parents are asked about shaking their child, they'll sometimes admit to it. And the reason is because they come into this room or whatever, and they find their child in seizures or unconscious, and the natural instinct is to pick the child up and shake him. That doesn't mean that the shaking caused the brain damage or the seizure. They were already there, Mm -hmm. but that is the natural reaction for a parent. So when someone says, did you shake your child? Well, yeah, technically, I I shook the child. And that is used against them in a court later. That's your proof, right? The parents admitted it. What else do you need, right, at that point? Yeah. And it's twisted. Incredibly so. Parents have picked their children up for thousands of years, in some cases shaken them for various reasons, like you said. But it suddenly happened, and by some coincidence, happened when there was an explosion of vaccines, new vaccines that were coming out. You know, when I was growing up, there was like three. Now, it's we're in the 30s. Yeah. Some children get four or five vaccines a day. And if you were to put that into an equivalent adult dosage by weight, they don't do this. It's a one-size-fits-all thing that they do. But if they were to go by weight, you would have the equivalent of like half a gallon injected into you as an adult. I can't remember... Um, I remember there was the, somebody did the math on this, and when children get the four with like the MMR combined and so forth, the amount of vaccines that child gets would be like an adult getting like 50 shots, 50 different vaccines, all known to aggravate the immune system and cause a variety of symptoms. All with serious, quote, side effects like seizures yeah. and brain damage. If you look back to when all this started, It wasn't that there was a change in parenting that took place in the U.S. and in other places in the world, because there wasn't. What changed was the number of vaccines and the variety of vaccines given. Yes. It's always increasing now, because they're so safe. Well, especially now that they're being made in China, I'm sure they're especially safe now. (laughs) Yeah. And of course, there aren't any studies really done on this, because, well... Who's going to arrange the study with the infant children to see whether or not this causes brain damage and death? You can't do a study. 
Exactly. I mean, because doing a study actually admits publicly that you're killing children to get data, which they can't do. They can't, they can do it. They just can't admit it publicly. And if they can't admit it publicly, then they can't use that data they've extracted. Yeah, what's the use of the data? What's the use of the data? Yeah. It's like with the cancer drugs. Yeah. They can't really test one group untreated versus a treated group because for the untreated group, they'd be admitting they're just going to let them die. Yeah. But yet it's all science, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We've tested it. Don't worry. Okay, moving on now. Tobacco smokers for the past decade or two have been essentially fair game. For instance, it doesn't matter how many chemicals they put into cigarettes. At this point, it's like, well, they're smokers. They deserve to suffer. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget carpet glue now. They're adding to their paper. Yeah, to make them fire safe. Mm, it's so safe now. And you see this in the media all the time. You know, you've got something about tobacco, and it's like, well, they're just smokers. And they're like some subhuman that, that, species. That is the general consensus, isn't it, among most people? Yeah, that they're just a lower life form because they smoke? It's really... It's really twisted. It's like, and you go to the companies, the smokers are all huddled. They made a joke about it on the IT crowd. It's like Soviet Russia where they're all huddled in the cold outside yeah. in some dark gray area where no one's supposed to see them. They're like the political prisoners. Yeah. Well, one of the biggest groups proposing that you know we should just ignore all these smokers is actually the pharmaceutical industry. You see, you do have a few groups on the side that talk about Reducing the harm to tobacco smokers. Mm-hmm. But that's not what's really being promoted. It's either you quit or you smoke out a deadly concoction of chemicals and whatnot. There's this whole pharmaceutical industry which is promoting their drugs which will help you to quit. And that's the real reason why there's no harm reduction or less chemicals. None of this, okay? Oh, one of the biggest dangers and tobacco, is the fact that they use radioactive fertilizer. I bet you didn't know that one. (laughs) Yeah, to make the tobacco more flavorful, as they put it, they use high-phosphate fertilizer. Well, to make this fertilizer, they take a rock mineral called apatite. It's actually called apatite. They grind it into a powder and dissolve it in sulfuric acid. From this process, fluoride comes off. This fluoride, this waste product, then goes toward water fluoridation and toothpaste to go into your body. In addition to that, apatite rock contains radioactive lead and polonium. And this is in the fertilizer that is used for tobacco plants. Let's not forget for a lot of non-organic produce as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really not that uncommon. Yeah, it's one of the biggest reasons to eat organic, actually, that to some degree... Your food is not only toxic, but it's radioactive as well. What's worse is that the more they use this this fertilizer on the same ground, the more it builds up. It's accumulative. It never, like, goes away. Well, they think it might go away in 300 billion years, maybe. Otherwise, that ground is like poison forever. Kind of like what we've done over in Iraq with our depleted uranium munitions, where all the babies are being born with, like, three heads now. This is our farmland, our breadbasket she's talking about. Yeah. You know, and it's not just the tobacco fields. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there forever. It's not something you can just put on your soil and get rid of it. Good luck trying to extract radiation out of the soil. It's like you think DDT is bad. Oh, my gosh. You know, this is on a whole new level. And what's great is, or what's terrible, is that these tiny particles, these radioactive particles, get absorbed into the plants. Think about it. It's the fertilizer. It's what's designed to be absorbed by the plant. And it's radioactive. As Sarah was saying, it's worse for tobacco. Yeah. They like to use these fertilizers with extremely high phosphate levels, right? Yeah, extremely high, yes, exactly. And I have a quote here from the Royal Society of Medicine. The quote is, Polonium has a very long half-life and will accumulate in the soil with repeated applications of fertilizer. As a result, modern cigarettes may contain higher levels of polonium-210 than those measured 40 years ago. Now what that really says is, we have no idea how radioactive our soil is now. Because we measured 40 years ago, and we thought maybe it was a big problem then, and now we don't even know. 
This doesn't just apply to people who use smokeless tobacco. The radioactive materials do actually end up in the smoke, mm-hmm. which means they end up, it ends up in the lungs, which is one of the most vulnerable parts of the body. If you want to know why smokers get lung cancer, well, it technically has nothing to do with tobacco and everything to do with the fertilizers being used and the other chemicals being added to the tobacco. It's why the American Indians who got tobacco smoking started didn't have lung cancer. It just didn't happen. Yeah. Ever. It's like when something goes into the lungs, there's no real filtration. Mm-hmm. It's not like when it goes to your digestive tract. No. I mean, if it goes to your lungs, it's there. Yeah. One of the surest ways to cause a cancer is to use radiation on a person. Yeah. Which is just incredible. The industry, the medical industry, uses radiation to supposedly cure cancer. You would think you could use your microwave and cure your cancer. But how many lifelong cures do you think they get? We've looked. We've looked. We've looked, yeah. <laughs> you can count them on one hand, can't you, like nationwide this year? Uh-huh. Now, bear in mind this whole thing about the, being accumulative, because I have something from 1982, and the University of Massachusetts wrote to the New England Journal of Medicine, warning that a person smoking one and a half packs of cigarettes per day would be exposed to a radiation dose in certain areas of the lung at 800 milligrams per year, which is the equivalent of the dose to the skin from 300 chest x-rays per year. And that was back in 1982. You're talking about skin. You're not even talking about deep penetration exposure. You're talking about the maximum exposure that the skin gets at 300 x-rays is equivalent to what's internal inside the lungs. Exactly. That's pretty serious. Yeah, and that was back in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And it's constantly increasing. Accumulating. Yes. As they use more and more fertilizer every year. And you've got to think about these people who are using, who have just switched to organic produce. And you've got these so-called organic companies like Cashy, for instance, which is owned by General Mills. And, <laughs> and they, they claim... They people to know that, do they? No. <laughs> and they claim that they're going all organic. Well... Actually, they've been growing for the past 20, 30, 50 years in radioactive fertilizers. Which deplete the soils as well. Yes. Deplete the soils and get rid of all the healthy bacteria and the mineral spread that they're supposed to have in a healthy soil. Yeah. I mean, it just goes on and on. And not to forget the fluoride that ends up in the soil from these fertilizers as well. Yeah. It's, you know, pretty incredible. While we're on the topic of fertilizer... We published an article on our site that was delivered to the U.S. Congress, and it was about just how bad our soils are, just how minimally depleted they are. And when we looked this up online, we found an incorrect document that had been republished to hundreds of other sites, and it had been altered so that every instance of the word his or he or he was switched to their or they, switched to a plural, to be politically correct. It wasn't even accurate. I mean, the the grammar wasn't even right. They switched to plural, even though it should have been singular in the sentence. Yes. With, like, no respect for the historical value of the document. Or the language, or anything. No. So, we have actually put the document back on our site. If you look up fertilizer on our site, you can come back to it. But I just wanted to say there's something incredibly twisted with this whole new generation of political correctness. Like, that makes it somehow right that there's something wrong with using the term his, which is a singular. Mm-hmm. And we should switch it to a plural. We're not talking about a plural. We're talking about a single individual. Exactly. An unknown gender individual, therefore, it's he, mm-hmm. as it's always been. And there's a new trend, and I'm beginning to see this emerging more and more. And it's instead of using his, now we're using her and she, and we don't know the gender. Mm-hmm. And if it was indeed discriminatory to use his and he, then how exactly is it better, is it good, to use she and her? How is that like good discrimination if it was bad before? Well, we're just in a, a generation just has no class. Scruples? Scruples, no class, no character, no respect for anything, and no shame. It's not entirely their fault. I would say our educational establishments are a big part of the problem. But these kind of people infiltrate it. The feminists? The feminists. Well, it goes beyond that into, like, socialism and communism, the people that have infiltrated. Their goal is to destroy our society and its values. 
to destroy it, rot it out at its core, so that capitalism can be killed, so that communism can come. Along with the eradication of the family unit, for instance. Yes, and that's, you know, they're attacking it at the father level. Yes. It's happened everywhere, but in the U.S., you know, our system of values and religion and so forth are so intertwined and basic that they know that this is our weak point at the same time, as well as being our strength. If they can destroy American values and our culture that we've developed over... Well, we talked about this before, that morality is absolutely essential if capitalism is to work. Mm -hmm. The system will fall apart as it is falling apart. Look around. Exactly. If people don't have a moral code and don't have a conscience and they attempt to run business. Please check us out and read our reports at the HealthWise Report website. You can find us on the internet at healthwise.org. Take special note that WISE is spelt W-Y-Z-E. We spell it W-Y-Z-E to emphasize wisdom. We are a not-for-profit organization, although we are not registered as a not-for-profit, non-profit, or any other classification with any governmental agency. Nevertheless, we are a non-profit organization, so we're always needing donors to help us to continue our work, whether it be the equipment for these radio shows, our website and network infrastructure, various fees for our movie productions, and of course, the occasional video game to help us maintain our sanity through it all. If you are someone who cannot donate, or who does not wish to, you can also support us by visiting our online store. That can also be found at healthwise.org, and again, WISE is spelt W-Y-Z-E. We have to be careful about what claims we make about our products, including claims that can be verified, because we know of at least one governmental agency that would like to shut us down. We can tell you that in our opinion, our colloidal copper lotion has qualities that cannot be found in any other lotion sold, anywhere else. So, if you have joint or skin problems of any kind, we recommend that you check out our lotion. The HealthWise Report staff also offers hosting, networking, and technical support for anyone who wants to have their own website or assistance with internet technologies. Our technical skills place us among the best of the best. Thanks for listening to this. We'll get back to the show now. Well, Sarah, if you're ready to take a breather, I'm ready with a rant. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Well, we get a lot of calls and emails from a lot of interesting people. Some of them we like a lot, and others we don't like quite so much. It just depends. One thing we get a lot of, in the category of those that we don't like so much, is calls from people who tell us, I don't know who to believe. My first reaction, mentally I may not say it, but my first reaction is, if you don't know who to believe, why are you calling us? And it goes beyond that. It's usually... When they say they don't know who to believe or what to believe, it generally means that they don't believe in anything. What we practice is God's medicine. And we do that because, one, we're Christian, and two, because in actuality, it is the only medicine that works. See, we were given everything we needed to be given, and we've been given that from the very beginning. We've also been given all the tools that we need to wreak havoc upon ourselves. And every disease you can think of, big or small, it doesn't matter. It's almost always self-inflicted. Yeah. Being sick and being diseased is not natural. It's not normal, or it shouldn't be normal. It is now, but it shouldn't be. Yeah, we weren't born with broken minds and bodies. The broken minds and bodies that we have, they come from abuse. Sometimes that abuse comes from outside ourselves, and we often do it to ourselves, probably most often. So what I'm saying is, there's a constant Christian theme to what we do. Because at the core of everything, everything we talk about, all the problems that we discuss, it really boils down to personal responsibility and personal accountability. And those are things that people who are lost don't have. They don't even understand these things. It's the sort of irresponsibility that we see on a daily basis is why people are so messed up. Sick and diseased. Mm -hmm. Dying inside. And and I'm not just talking about physically either. I'm Mm -hmm. talking about mentally, emotionally. And you see it. You see it in people everywhere you go. The 
the walking dead, the zombies. The, the lost. The sad faces, the sagging faces, the wrinkles and lines and blemishes and hair loss and obesity or wasting away. So many combinations. You don't find many people who are content, healthy, and happy in the era that we're living in. What you have are the lost. And usually when we get one of these phone calls from someone who says, I don't know what to believe, or I don't know who to believe, we know. They've told us from the get-go, they're lost. It's kind of like they're one of them. And, you know, it's like, I don't really know what they expect us to say. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, so what can we do? Say, believe us? Like everybody else does? Yeah, please believe us. I think some of these people actually expect us to beg Mm -hmm. us to believe them. Them to yeah. believe us, but and then when we don't give them what they want, they get mad and say, "Well, I'm going to stop listening to you." Well, that's kind of funny because they weren't listening in the first place. Yeah. So why did they call to argue? What was the point? They like to punish us by saying that they're not going to listen to us anymore, or they're going to they're going to leave. But it's like at a certain point, it's like, well, we kind of want you to leave. You know, if yeah, you're one of these do. people who is totally lost, we mm. can't help you and. In a lot of cases, we don't want to. Well, I remember when the phone call came in, and Sarah answered it a couple days ago. It started off with the whole, my health is spiraling downwards, and I just don't know what and who to believe anymore. And I was like, oh no. And I was doing the the thing where you draw your finger across your throat, like cut, cut. I was doing that at Sarah, like, no, no, abort. And I was just thinking, deep down I was thinking, eject, 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 now Sarah. She's nice, and she just couldn't bring herself to do that, even though the guy was saying, I don't believe you. I don't believe in what you do, what you represent. The whole God's medicine thing doesn't mean anything to me. You people don't mean anything to me. But I'm going to call you up anyway and waste your time and mine arguing with you over nothing. It just went on and on, and to my dismay, and I had this dread feeling it was going to happen, I actually got dragged into the call myself. And even as I was getting dragged in, a voice in my head was saying, No, Thomas, please, no, don't do it. It's hard, isn't it? You Sometimes couldn't help I, uh-huh. I couldn't help myself. After uh, going through the establishment and the establishment giving up on him, essentially saying, We can't treat your cancer and we can't give you the liver transplant we promised you earlier because it's so bad now that the surgery itself would kill you. Then they come to us saying, I don't know who to believe. Well, it's like you did it their way, now they've killed you. It's like you see the result. You see the result now, and you're not sure who to believe. Well, it went on, and he's into all kinds of stuff. There was the energy healing, and I I was like, oh my gosh, how are we going to get out of this one now, Sarah? Should we just hang up? And um, he was going on about how he's into energy healing. Both uh, spiritual psychic stuff. And the radiation. Yeah, like the Rife machine, where you're using electromagnetic radiation on yourself. Not even the nuclear radiation like the medical industry uses that kills you off. No, this is electrical radiation that not even the quacks in the establishment believe in. Yeah. So it was kind of out there. It's like strapping a radio to yourself and amplifying it. And using that to cure your cancer. Yeah, like... It's sort of like it would be the same thing as if you had brain cancer to strap cell phones all over your head and hope that that made it better. Because there is no such thing as good, safe, healthy radiation. Seriously, most of you out there listening, you know that. We don't have to make the point. Radiation is bad. It's very, very bad in all its forms, whether it's ionizing or electromagnetic or what have you. It's bad. I mean, you know, you shouldn't be exposing yourself to it. And to make the point about how lost this person was, and this is pretty common, we're getting used to this sort of thing, he told us that it was backed up by his faith in Buddhism. I knew immediately, this guy is so lost and has no clue that he's lost, and he's like rewriting religion for it. Because I have actually read about the life of Siddhartha, who eventually became known as the Buddha. I've actually read their core document, their Bible, which is referred to as the Dhammapatra. I know about Buddhism. I studied it. By the way, there's nothing wrong with Buddhism. It's it's not even a religion. It doesn't teach you to believe in this or believe in that. It teaches you about living a good life. 
It doesn't teach you about mystical energy healing. It doesn't teach you to strap radiation to yourself. It teaches you, actually, just the opposite of what he was saying, which is you should accept the changes that come in life, no matter how bad they are, without denial or resistance. It's a principle referred to as impermanence, which is part of Buddhism. It's good to learn about it really is... As a philosophy. As a philosophy for leading your life, because it's all about leading a good moral life. And if you want to believe in God, that's fine. If, if you don't, there's just no comment made. So you could be like a Christian Buddhist, but you can't be a Christian Muslim. Yeah. You know, you can't be a, what is it, Shinto? You can't be a... Mm-hmm. Uh, a Sikh. Yeah. Or a Christian Sikh. You can't really be a Christian anything, but you could be a Christian Buddhist. Yeah, know, because but, it's a philosophy. It's not it's a religion. A, it's not really a religion. And so many of the Easterners out there that have embraced Buddhism don't know enough about real spirituality and religion to know that their so-called religion isn't even a religion. In fact, the Buddha himself said, do not worship me, do not worship anything, making the point of he's not guiding people to accept a belief in a creator or not. They're, yeah. That's their thing, but it doesn't take away or pull towards their philosophy. Anyway, I'm getting so off target here with Buddhism. This guy is in the shape that he's in because he's lost, and it's not just because he's confused about medicine. That's just on the surface. When you dig deeper, he's lost on a much deeper level. So badly that when someone offers him a viable alternative, a way out, he's unable to see it. He's unable to comprehend it. He actually told us at one point that he wanted to get well enough with alternative medicine to get a liver transplant. So they but could that go was, back. That was his end goal? So that they could start all over butchering him again. That was his end goal. He wasn't sure if alternative medicine could do that, but he hadn't been having very good results. He'd been having very bad results. With his varying energy medicines. Not to mention that he was on like every supplement under the sun. Half of them were from, at least half of them, I'm sure, were from China. Yeah. And the ones that weren't were... Questionable at best. Questionable at best, <laughs> yes. This is putting more burden on that liver that's just like destroyed. Yeah. So that's what the liver does. It deals with foreign things in the body. Yeah, this was a liver cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, so already you've got this impaired state where cleansing and absorption of nutrients is already impaired. You take more and more supplements in, not to mention the radiation, but just the supplements that you're taking in constantly. Well, ironically, he said he'd quit taking the mushrooms because he'd heard something on one of our shows. He actually listened to that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then, as expected, he mentioned his expert friend, the naturopath. No. I, I think I remember cutting my eyes at Sarah thinking, Oh, no. Here we go. To I, be fair... We were waiting for it, weren't we? This was like an hour and 15 minutes into the call, you You're, know. And we were waiting on it, weren't we? Yes. We I, were I kept, waiting for the naturopath. I kept trying to figure out where he was getting all this bad advice mm-hmm. from, because it, it's hard to, to do as well as poorly. Yeah, exactly. A person cannot mess himself up this badly without some help. Yeah. Lots of help. And he got lots of help from both sides. Yep. He really did. I'm going to tell everyone what I told him, and this is something everyone should consider and take to heart, because this is very important. It's a realization that took us years to make. On one side, you have the regular standard doctors. I like to believe that most of them initially started out wanting to do the right thing. Good intentions. Good intentions, wanting to save the world, save lives, and make some money in the process. Be a hero and get rich at the same time. You can't beat that, can you? Okay, And I think that's how they started out, and they really thought, you know, the young people, they were going to change the world, change the system, make it work, save some people, and be heroes. But it never works out that way. Even for the doctor who somehow manages to make it all the way through medical school, through all the brainwashing and indoctrination they go through, through their internship, and come out intact without being completely destroyed, completely brainwashed. Different person. A different person, if he manages to hold on to his sanity and his individuality and his humanity through all of that and think for himself, by the time he gets out, he's faced with something called licensing. Licensing means you don't get to change the world. You don't get to practice medicine the way you want to. Licensing means you follow the so-called standard of care. You do it their way. You diagnose their way. You prescribe what is approved for you to prescribe for that particular disease. 
and you continue treatment that way perpetually. You don't cure anyone. You don't try to cure anyone. And you certainly don't mention alternatives if you want to keep practicing medicine. Because if you do, you lose that license. And if you continue anyway after that, you go to prison for it. Game over. Your life is destroyed. Some people may want to hear more about this topic, just how bad this whole system is. Listening to the Will K episode yeah. of our audio reports. But if you're a doctor in this modern era, especially here in the U.S., you are a slave. You're not a healer. You're a slave. You're not a real doctor. You have no choices. You do it their way, exactly their way, like you're following a diagram, like it's all been written out for you. Every case, every condition, you follow the standard. There are no choices. I feel sorry for them. In a lot of ways, I it's do. like a cult, complete with you know the brainwashing and the indoctrination phase. Then mm-hmm. they come out and they cannot in any way differ from, you know, what is standard and what is accepted. No matter how badly it works, how ineffective it is, how many people they kill, they can't. They can't deviate at all. Yeah. On the other end of the spectrum, it's just the opposite. There's freedom. Lots of it. In fact, it is the problem. See, on the other end of the spectrum, where you have your so-called holistic doctors and your naturopathic doctors... In most states, in almost every state, there is no real licensing. There is no regulation, and there are no real schools. There's only a couple of good schools that are really worth their salt, and that's it. So if someone calls themselves a holistic doctor or someone calls themselves a naturopathic doctor, in most cases, that person has simply made that up. It's fabricated. There's no real certifications. No registrations, no licensing. In fact, they may never have even opened a single book on the topic. I mean, that's the thing. It's like without any sort of central body, anything at all. I mean, who knows what they know or where they got their knowledge or if they even have any knowledge or if they're just making it up as they go along. Take, for instance, if me or Sarah started to call ourselves MD and give medical advice out, they'd come and get us. I mean, they would show up, handcuff us, and drag us off. Yep. And probably take everything we own. On the other hand, we could call ourselves ND, as a naturopathic doctor. Nothing could happen, no matter what we do. Because there is no such thing as really an ND, at least in most states. It's meaningless. Anybody can call themselves that. In the world of medicine, the NDs, or the naturopathic doctors are essentially the mall cops of the world of medicine. They're the ones who couldn't make it. They're the ones who either were washouts, rejects, couldn't afford to go through the system, or just didn't want to bother. That's who they are. You see, people like to think that the naturopathic doctors are those who saw the light before they got into any sort of medicine, who knew that the mainstream medicine was bad, had a lot of problems with it, and so decided to be be better. Mm-hmm. Right, And so they studied the holistic medicine, they've studied all the way back, and they came to this conclusion and they started to teach people, and this isn't the way it happened. No, no. I mean, I'm sure there are a few out there who are good. I'm sure there have to be, and maybe even some that followed the same path that you're describing right now, Sarah, exactly, but they're few and far in between, and we haven't found any. Yeah, that's the reality. We haven't found one, and we've we've been doing this. We've been doing this for like six or seven years now. We get stuff from all over the place. We do research constantly. We have yet to find a naturopath who's worth anything, who doesn't kill people. And that's the reality of how it is. Now, most of you people listening are interested in us and what we're teaching because we give an alternative. And we catalog how bad the mainstream is, but... We need to pay careful attention to what's in our own backyard and just how bad it is, because it is that bad. One of the patterns that we've seen is that naturopaths, at least a lot of them, get their medical information based upon product information pamphlets. For instance, there are actually supplement companies that are tiered towards giving specific formulas out to naturopaths and chiropractors, which are also functioning yes, as those, naturopaths. those wonderful proprietary blends, right, Sarah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. For instance, you've got the special proprietary blend for joint health, and it doesn't matter what your joint problem is. 
It doesn't matter if you've got, you know, a tennis elbow or, or if you've got arthritis. It doesn't matter because this is the special formula they have in stock you know, conveniently. It's almost like magic, isn't it? Yeah. And that's one of the worst signs. If the naturopath has the supplements there for you at his office, you know that there's a gross conflict of interest. Yeah, and that's something we talked to that caller about that he didn't seem to want to accept, is that with regular medicine, with normal standard medicine, orthodox medicine, when you go see your doctor, he'll diagnose you and perhaps provide you with a script, or some people would say a prescription. At that point, his job is over. Then the person takes the paper to a pharmacist, chemist, you know, what have you, and that gets filled. The product is dispensed, and the person takes it home. In the world of naturopathic medicine, we found that in most cases, that doesn't happen. You see, when you go to a regular doctor, and he gives you the script, you go to the pharmacist later, there's a certain separation between the two. The doctor doesn't have a conflict of interest there in most cases because he doesn't make any more or any less money, because he doesn't give you the product. He doesn't sell you the product. That helps stop that conflict of interest. It helps keep the industry a little bit cleaner. But when you go to a naturopath, that doesn't happen usually. They have the proprietary product that they want to sell you directly. And by some coincidence, whatever problem you have correlates with whatever product they have in stock at the time. And if that doesn't reek with corruption, I don't know what does. Yeah. You'll find this in almost every case. Mm -hmm. If they're really there to teach you what you need to know, diagnose, and help you treat your issue, then they'll tell you what changes you need to make. If it's real and it's valid, it will be cheap. Because real medicine, based on the nutritional needs of the human body, or whatever herbs you need to supplement to augment your problems, they're natural, they're cheap, you don't need a special prescription, you don't need to see a special doctor to get access to them. Real medicine is food. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the reality. Yeah, like, like Hippocrates, the father of medicine, said from the very get-go, the earliest days of medicine, he said, let thy medicine be thy food, and thy food be their medicine. And the simple fact is, is nothing, and I do mean nothing, affects your health more than what you put in your mouth. Yeah. Absolutely. That is the cardinal rule. You are what you eat. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so tired of dealing with immoral, godless, lost, unchristian people that I think I'm going to make it our policy that when someone calls and says, I don't know who to believe or I don't know what to believe in, we're done. Yeah. Even if they believe in the wrong thing. That's a step up from not believing in anything. At least we have something to work with we can discuss. But if yeah. he's so lost he doesn't know who or what to believe, then we're wasting our time. Well, we get a lot of these people who are, quote, spiritual. And that's mm -hmm. kind of, I'd say, epidemic in our movement, you know, the, in alternative health. Mm -hmm. It's like you walk into Whole Foods, for instance, a big health food store chain, and you're surrounded with these magazines, and they talk about being spiritual. And getting into yoga. Which is like the opposite of being spiritual. When you decide that you're going to be spiritual by not believing in anything, not embracing anything. It's like this empty spiritualism. It is empty. I mean, completely. And I think it's what leads people into being so lost. I think that's why we get so many mm -hmm. people who are so lost at call. Well, the whole nature worship thing, the whole natural thing that goes on, where at no point is God acknowledged. No point is the creator or his creation or embracing his rules, you know, like his kosher rules of living, are embraced where it's just nature is this force. Well, that ties right into the whole pagan thing, their Mother Earth worship. Yeah. Mother Nature. And, and that's more and more prevalent. But now it's like when you see the word spiritualism, you can just equate that with you not, should get away from God. Yeah, that's what it is now. That's what spiritualism has come to mean. It's, it's lack of real spiritualism a lack of real connectedness to something greater than ourselves. It's like when you go back, you know, a hundred years or so, spiritualism actually meant something. It meant that you were a person of faith. Mm -hmm. and in this country, it generally meant that you were Christian and that mm -hmm. you felt inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
But now history has just been rewritten, and now it just means you should believe in yourself. And it kind of reminds me back to, I know we've studied this before. Well, there are actually undertones of that in Buddhism, mm-hmm. actually, but let's not even... But it kind of reminds me of the thing with Alcoholics Anonymous and how back when they were talking about how you should look up to God and ask for his help. That you can only recover through God's help. And have this connectedness, Mm -hmm. you know, with him. AA had astounding results. Yeah, it was like above 90%, wasn't it? Exactly. Success rates, and now they're like 3%. Yeah, now it's believe in the power of the group. In because, the power of the group. Because we're too politically correct and cowardly mm-hmm. it, to mention God. Well, Dr. Jung, Dr. Carl G. Jung, who helped found Alcoholics Anonymous and set up its program, said that the word spirits, as in like liquors, comes from the word spiritual. There's a connection there. And it comes from the fact that people knew, and they knew this thousands of years ago, that addictions like alcoholism come from a spiritual impoverishment, from being lost, literally. Mm -hmm. And that's why liquors are sometimes referred to as spirits. It's because liquors have been used through the ages to try to compensate. As a replacement. As an attempt to replace, but it's a very destructive replacement. And, And we're seeing it everywhere, the disastrous effect of trying to replace God in our lives. Yeah. Well, when I think of this whole spiritualism thing, this movement, this anti-spiritualism movement, the first person who comes to mind is Dr. Andrew Weil. And in my opinion, he is one of the biggest pieces of human garbage out there. In my opinion, and for legal reasons I have to justify this, but saying it, it is my opinion, he is one of the biggest con men and fraudsters around. That he is totally immoral yeah. and utterly human garbage. We've got a special report about him. We actually did some digging into him. But I think of him when I think of this whole spiritualism thing because you go into these health food stores and you see his nasty, fat face everywhere with him in some ridiculous yoga position or trying to get, you know, I, I, yeah. <laughs> of course he can't. He can hardly bend over. This, and he's giving health advice. And he's, yeah. Well, it's kind of like Dr. Oz with the colon cancer, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's like never trust a doctor. Who has cancer. Well, I would think that in Dr. Wilde's case, people would just be able to look at him and his physique <laughs> and know that he is not someone they should be trusting for their supplements or for their health advice. It seems like a no-brainer to me. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you can see that from the way he's graying up that he's kind of depleted on his minerals and stuff. I mean, while he's preaching the, the raw diet, he's probably going to McDonald's. I mean, seriously. He's supposedly this alternative health guru, but he recommends orthodox treatments for the worst problems. Like, for instance, he's not going to threaten the cancer industry or the the heart disease industry, the coronary industry. He won't even talk against chemotherapy. And yet he's alternative. He he pushes chemotherapy. He pushes it. Uh And what he's doing with his brand of medicine, which he calls integrative medicine, is trying to pull us into orthodox medicine again. He's pretending to be alternative, he gets people interested, but then when you really read his material, he's encouraging people to get standard treatments. No. We're the suckers, we're the fools, in other words. He's counting on that. Mm-hmm. Well, Dr. Weil is one of these examples. For instance, he uh, is this great guru, supposedly, who says that one of the most shameful, disgraceful things is when a health practitioner sells his own products. Because, you know, that's a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. Dr. Weil has his own brand of supplements. Yes. That he sells. With his face on them. With his, with, yeah, with actually his face on them. And to push these supplements, he tells everybody that the money goes into a charity. Well, <laughs> what people will find interesting about that is he owns that charity. And he is the sole proprietor of that charity. And when you donate to that charity, he gets the money, and then he donates it to himself. Well, also, it's kind of interesting how he does this creative accounting, but when you donate the money to the charity, the charity, in part, donates money to the University of Arizona. Which is his employer. Yeah. 
Now, Sarah, what do you think about Dr. Wiles' job security at the University of Arizona? I'd say it's pretty secure. I'd be willing to bet he never misses a promotion. Yeah. You know, it says something about an alternative practitioner when they have a relationship with drugstore.com. That was his partner for a while. Didn't they sue him, though? Well, it didn't go so well, did it? Didn't it didn't go so well. He didn't keep up his end of the bargain. And I think they actually implied, get this, that he wasn't entirely 100% honest. Can you believe it? Isn't that hard to believe? It is hard to believe with Dr. Wilde. We've reported about Mike Adams and various other people, but I think perhaps if we had a worst of the worst award, it would go to Dr. Weil. He is hard to beat. (laughs) We've got some quotes from him, just so you could hear from Dr. Weil in his own words. Let's just hear a few of these for your consideration. Okay. Here's one. My advice is to stick with the antibiotic treatment your son is receiving. And what you might do, what's better than using colloidal silver, is investigate electromagnetic stimulation, which is radiation, for bone healing, a treatment that is backed by scientific evidence. Scientific evidence of radiation healing bones. It's a new one. It's not, it's not fraudulent like colloidal silver, huh? No. This is the alternative practitioner saying radiation is better than colloidal silver. Just remember, uh, it's proved by scientific evidence, after all. You know how radiation heals bones back Yeah, they, they just snap right back, don't they? Mm-hmm. Well, here's another one, Sarah. Quote, Virtually every major U.S. health organization has declared amalgam dental fillings, as they're known, safe. But some detractors remain unconvinced. Used to fill cavities, these dental fillings contain a mix of mercury, silver, tin, and other metals. Because elemental mercury and many mercury compounds can be toxic, some people worry that the dental fillings could be harmful, unquote. Must be those crazy people that think that they're harmful. That mercury's harmful? Yeah. Isn't mercury the second most deadly metal on Earth, if I remember correctly? I think you're right with that one, yes. There's something, I don't know, maybe arsenic maybe is higher? Something, Mm -hmm. I don't remember, but I think it's number two as the second deadliest metal Known to man. Notice I didn't say known to womanhood or femalehood or anything, but known to man. Yeah. So Dr. Weil is generating doubt about that, trying to tell people that your feelings are fine. Don't worry about them. Get some more mercury. It's good for you. I guess in the same vein, he could push vaccines that way, too. Well, yeah. Well, that's probably one of the main reasons why he's pro-mercury, because they're in the vaccines. Yeah. And um, which would, of course, indicate he's not so alternative and... Free thinking, after all. Let me go ahead with another one, Sarah. You ready? Sure. All right, here we go. Quote, Because autoimmune diseases tend to flare up in response to emotional ups and downs, I recommend some form of mind-body treatment. Hypnosis may be especially helpful. Children are more easily hypnotized. So you can use hypnosis to... Cure your diseases. Yes. wonder how well that works, what kind of results he gets with hypnotizing people into being... Well, clearing their arteries out or, you know, stopping their liver cancers or... Well, it's like even if it does help you to ignore the symptoms, what sort of long-term effects are you going to have then? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the treatment of essentially ignoring it. Training, exactly what Training it is. the patient to ignore the symptoms. Yeah. I mean, uh, we've got like a whole page of these. I mean, it just goes on. It's incredible. Okay, one more. All right, indulge us, Sarah. Quote, The distribution of calories you take in should be 40% to 50% from carbohydrates. According to Dr. Andrew Weil, his nutritional advice, half of your diet, 50%, should be sugar. Well, you know, we accuse some people of not following their own advice. But looking at Dr. Weil, he definitely (laughs) is following the sugar diet. You can see that. Yeah. At least he's not a hypocrite in that regard. All right, well, I'm going to move on. I imagine people have probably had enough of hearing about Dr. Weil for now. When our audience gets sick, they may be most tempted to try and eat as healthy as they can, get lots of fruits and vegetables, avoid the junk as much as possible. Take their vitamins, try to get better faster that way. Yeah. That said, it's not the best way to do things. It doesn't work. Because when a person gets sick, his nutritional needs change. He doesn't need the same things anymore. 
A sick person needs high fats, high proteins, lots of salt, and even, in a lot of cases, lots of sugar. Mm -hmm. That's totally contrary to what is healthy and great for someone who's already fairly strong. Let it be known out there, we're not recommending that this is the kind of a diet that a person should live on normally. It's not conducive to health. What we're saying is almost the opposite of what everyone's been taught. But when you're really sick, the rules change. The whole situation with your body chemistry changes. The problem is that when you get sick, your gastrointestinal tract starts shutting down. You don't properly absorb stuff anymore the way you do when you're healthy. For instance, a lot of you may know that one of the first things that's going to happen is you're going to have massive candida overgrowth in the intestinal tract. As that happens, your body can't absorb nutrients like it normally can. So what you need to do is give it really high-octane foods, foods that normally would be a little too rich. A little unwise. Mm -hmm. And a little unwise under normal circumstances. We wouldn't tell you to live off of spaghetti. That would be crazy. But if you're getting ready to run a marathon, we would. We'd say you're getting ready to do that marathon. Your body's needs are going to be different. Pile on the carbs while you can. Yeah. Before you get out there. Don't try to eat apples and run that marathon because you're going to die halfway through. When you're sick, you need the energy sources. Your body needs the energy to do its healing. Mm -hmm. It needs energy. And mm -hmm. that and comes fats, from fats. From fats. And it needs proteins to build antibodies. Mm -hmm. And you also need lots of salt. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the problems why people get so sick now is because we don't get much salt in our diets anymore. No. And these low-sodium diets have been popularized. Mm -hmm. Especially when you're sick. It will make the body much more resistant to the infection to prevent it from reproducing the way it would. It'll make your body into a hostile environment for an invader, essentially. Mm -hmm. That's exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because salt is an all-natural preservative, and you want your body internally to become more toxic while fighting an infection. Another thing you should never do is a cleanse of any type. Don't do a while kidney... While you're sick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't do a, a liver cleanse or a kidney cleanse. Any of these, they're placing extra stress on the body when it can't handle it. Mm -hmm. It's still trying to recover. Yeah. Now, this isn't politically correct, and we're going to say it anyway, as we usually do. You're not going to hear this anywhere else. But if you're sick, you've got the excuse you need. Go get the Coke and the Doritos and the bacon and everything else that you're not supposed to be eating. We're going to take the hit in saying this. I know there's going to be people writing us and calling us and screaming, like, are you insane? Maybe a little bit, but... <laughs> It's okay. I mean, crazy is good sometimes, and especially when you're crazy enough to tell the truth, despite the screaming. We'll talk against the grain, yeah. And that's what we have to do in this case, but um, that's the way it is. Don't do any cleanses, and do not diet. Get the calories. You need the calories, mm -hmm. along with the fats and the sugars. One of the best things we can tell you is to obey your food cravings when you're sick. Mm -hmm. The body, the human body, knows what it needs. Exactly. And you just need to follow that. So no matter how ridiculous it is, do it. If it's a Snickers bar, do it. I mean, because there may be some ingredient in there that you need, and tracing it down and figuring it out isn't going to be easy. You're certainly not going to get a supplement. For instance, if there's something in the nuts that your body needs for that particular illness, you're not going to be able to go to the health food store or a regular retailer or anywhere else and get a special nut pill. It's just silly. It's like what happens to pregnant women. They have all these weird cravings because they're missing things in their diet, like folate. When a woman is pregnant, we're only just beginning to realize that she's craving these things for a certain reason. Science is only just beginning to catch up and say, well, there's something actually that's in those pickles, mm -hmm. and here's what it is. And yet, women have been craving it for you know, thousands and, of years. And mocked for thousands of years, haven't they? Yes. Because the men laughed at them for their silly food cravings. Well, if you liked the show, and we both hope that you did, you can find more shows on our audio archive. You can visit our website. It's healthwise.org. Remember that wise is spelled W-Y-Z-E, which is to put emphasis on the wisdom. So again, that's healthwyze.org. On our top menu, there's a link to the audio archive, and there you'll find all of our shows that you can listen to from start to finish. We have a lot of them. You can also visit our online store or donate. We certainly appreciate it whenever you can. 
And there are ways that you can support us without giving us any money. You can tell your friends and family about us. We don't have a marketing staff. We really do rely on you to spread the word. You can list us in your email signature so that there's a link to us on every email that you send. You can link to us on your website or your blog. You can sign up to our mailing list and you can start discussions there. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are a lot of different ways that you can help out. We send out an email whenever we put out an article or we publish a new show. So if you want to be updated, that's a good way to get updated. Also, if anybody needs us, if you need to speak to us about any health issue or anything else, you can always go to the Contact Us page on our website and you can send us an email or you can call us. We do actually answer the phone. People are really shocked when they find out that we do, but we are actually here. We're human. Well, I guess that's about it, Thomas. Toodaloo. Bye.